0: Alright, today I'm with my former English professor um, last semester, do um, you want to introduce yourself?
1: Sure, I am Erin Lynn, I am a PhD candidate at the University of Connecticut. I have been teaching English at the college level for eight years, I'm also a poet.
0: Okay, Yeah, that's what I got from your class last semester, That your, your real passions in poetry. Um, so like, how did you get into that? Um, and like do you, do you remember like a specific event or like what age you got into poetry more
1: mm-hmm. yeah I would say I wrote my first poem when I was 12 I was in an English class where my teacher had us all write every day um, for a little bit in a creative writing journal and at the end of the year she told me that she really thought I should continue creative writing and she bought me a journal for that purpose, um, and I've never stopped. I've been writing ever since.
0: So, was it just like something you enjoyed doing in your free time?
1: Yes, yeah. I've, I think when I was younger, I really liked writing, like short stories, and even I mean even younger than twelve, I was writing or telling scary stories to my friends and getting banished from the sleepover parties <laughs> for being too scary. So I've always liked telling stories and. Um, when I, I always loved reading, so it was kind of natural to write down my stories once I was a little older.
0: If you could define poetry, how would you define it? Hmm. Because I think a lot of things could fit under that category of poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could put a definition to it, how would you articulate it?
1: That's a tough one. Uh, the current, my current syllabus for the lecture in poetry... The quote at the top says, and this is from an anonymous third grader, poetry is um, an egg with a horse inside, (laughs) and I think that makes a lot of sense. It's a small space that's really packed with Mm. incredible power and beauty and meaning, Um, but I think it tends to be small. It's something that has both aesthetic beauty as well as an oral beauty. oral aesthetic quality in terms of like it's sounding nice um, or sounding interesting. I think it's something that should exist both on a paper but also should be um, should sound good or interesting out loud as well. So Mm -hmm. it kind of has that two medium um, complex where it's both on paper and something that is spoken out loud or performed. I think that in poetry This is another line from something I read recently. Poetry does not necessarily have a plot in terms of events, but it has an emotional plot. Um, In poetry, I think words are meant to do a lot more work because of the smaller space than they are in prose. Um, And I think poetry asks a lot of the reader. It asks the reader to engage with their own imagination and mind, um, and to kind of let their, um, let themselves be taken on a little journey by the poet. I don't know if that's cheesy, but kind of a big thing, but that's what I would say.
0: How Okay, so when you got into poetry, what were like the main things you like wrote about? What did you like tap into to like get you to like what mm-hmm. were the main topics or subjects that you would write about?
1: Um <laughs> my first poem was about a lucid dream about flying. Just kind of nuts. I think it was the only lucid dream I ever had, and it was about flying, which was so cool. So, um That's what my first poem was about since then. um, I probably wrote about love in high school, definitely God. Um, I write about nature quite a bit, but nature with kind of an emotional landscape. Um, A lot of my poems that I wrote in my 20s during graduate school, when I was doing an MFA in poetry, were based on myths they were told in the voice of mythological women Mm. or historical figures usually women who didn't get a lot of say in their original stories and it's kind of about giving them power that they were denied in the original version of the story
0: so can you like walk me through your process of like writing a poem like do you just like sit down and just like brainstorm and just like kind of just write into like something sounds good or like do you have a, a process to it or like how does that look whenever you um go about writing poetry
1: um sometimes um especially when I was in workshops and was expected to produce a poem a week it would be a lot of sitting what was more natural before and kind of after would be getting a line in my head when I'm doing something else um walking frequently or riding a train um doing something with movement going for a run being on a long car ride, plane, bus, something like that. I think movement's really important for me. And that probably has something to do with the rhythm of poetry. Um, but usually what happens is a line comes to me. And it strikes me for its oral quality, you mm-hmm. know, the way it sounds. Yeah. And then I go from there. And sometimes it turns into something and sometimes it doesn't. And it's, um not a process i have a ton of control over producing you know whenever i want to i don't produce that many poems i like a year i try but it's just not how it works for me
0: so are you always in this like just constant like not i don't want to say poetry mode but like i guess you can just take things out of your own personal life Mm. And, like, your, I guess it's your thoughts that are, like, getting you to this, like, starting point, this, like, one line that you mm-hmm. can build off of. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess my question is, um, are you always, like, thinking, oh, that was interesting what I just thought? Or, um, or, is it, or are you sometimes just passive about, like, what you're thinking?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I wish I was, I guess a way, and I, I think you're picking up on this, a way you could describe it as being open to it. We're, we're listening. Like yeah. being able to listen to, whatever that poetry, voice is somewhere in my head. I'm not always there, you know. Um, there's just there's a lot going on at all times. So no, I can't always. And you know, sometimes it comes in the middle of night and I don't write something down <laughs> and it's done. Or I'm driving, super inconvenient, and then that's just gone. Um, unless sometimes I'll do a voice memo, but yeah, no. Not all the time.
0: So, is there such thing as bad poetry? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? Okay, what are some characteristics of bad poetry?
1: I just read a poem last week by a very celebrated poet. It's a new poem. And it was formally accomplished, I guess, you know, but... It was completely emotionally flat, Mm. and the worst part was it used, it referenced other people's suffering for no reason. It just referred to slavery, for example, without doing anything, and this was a white poet, without doing anything to... um, explore it um, without making the reader for any, feel anything. It, it almost just seems like a throwaway line to seem like she was somehow aware of the problems of whiteness, but she didn't engage with it in a meaningful way. And then she also referenced another woman's miscarriage in um, in a way that suggested it was she somehow shared that pain. But there was just no feeling in the poem at all. Um, it was actually kind of offensive. So even if this woman is considered, or this poet is considered kind of formally accomplished, um, That's one thing, but if you're not using poetry to be real, then it's pretty useless. I don't care how good your images are. If they're not making anyone feel anything, if they're not making anyone think about something in a way they never thought about it before, that's bad poetry.
0: So are those things that you just said, like making someone feel emotions or like trying to accomplish something, are those goals you have in mind whenever you do sit down Mm -hmm. and try to come up with poems?
1: I think i think poems should teach you something and i think something i didn't say earlier and what what poetry does poetry is going to what it should do is tap into something you recognize but you've never thought about it or seen in it in that way so maybe it's an image of a bird taking off um maybe it's a description of someone's face or maybe it's the way a line sounds when it's describing a particular emotion. But it should make the reader and, I think, the poet. It usually usually at the poet when it's... When poetry's good, I, I think it surprises the poet as well. With being able to identify an emotion that's familiar, or a thought that's familiar. But being able to, to process it in a new way that you've never done before.
0: Mm.
1: If that makes sense. So, it's not so much as a goal, but... That's when, if a line comes to me,
0: you
1: should be doing that.
0: So, on that, like, what are some, can you think of any other characteristics of a good poem?
1: I think there's a lot of ways for a poem to be good. It should be surprising, I think and either I think sound nice or, or sound interesting and also have a component of, so I think about Plum stuff kind stuff of as kind of having both a, um, a sound quality, but also a visual quality, even though it's not a visual art, mm-hmm. it should be creating visions in the reader's mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah. I do think both of those things need to be there.
0: So, um, if you could just guess how many poems you've written over the course of your life, how many would you just say? Just an estimate.
1: A lot. I mean, how old am I? I'm 32. I've been writing since I was 12. Uh, that's 20 years. So, there's a difference between the amount of poems I write and the amount of poems I finish, and the amount of poems I finish... That gets even smaller when it's the amount of poems I decide to publish from those. Um, So, let's say 2019, saw me finish, like, maybe five poems? Six? Not that many.
0: How... Okay, so what are the different styles of poetry?
1: I mean, there's a lot. Um, Do you mean forms? Yeah, I
0: guess forms. I'm just not really familiar with, Mm -hmm. like poetry i i have a sense of it but i don't think i know the different like categories or like i know there's like haikus and like but like along what other types of poetry are there Mm
1: -hmm. well types of poetry so i
0: guess forms
1: things are pretty wide open now in terms of types the internet has been a pretty cool equalizer um so i would say formal poetry is something that follows a pre-existing form so that could be the number of lines The rhyme scheme, um, the length of the line, um, whether or not there's repetition. Um, So some forms are sonnet, villanelle, sestina, haiku, as you mentioned. Prose poems are poems that do not um, use the line break in terms of verse. They look more like um, prose in the way that they are um, punctuated. Let's see. There are long poems, short poems. I write short poems. yeah.
0: So how, that was my next question Like, What kind of format do your poems usually go with?
1: I infrequently write in a pre-established form If I do, it's going to be the sonnet Or a sonnet-ish poem of around 14 lines I do that since I like to write shorter poems That is where I kind of tend to stay um, But yeah, other than that, yeah, about... Fourteen to twenty lines would be my usual length of the poem.
0: Do you find it a difficult task, yet like still like satisfying when you do do it, and like you enjoy the process, or do you find it like more I guess relaxing? Um,
1: it is so satisfying to finish a poem, a successful poem can be frustrating if you know it's like almost there but it's not there because frequently I just abandon those it's not happening it's not happening and maybe I'm silly but I you said before passivity and I do think I take on a somewhat passive state that's not to say this is just like something that that I'm just like the vessel of it it is but there's a lot of kind of um, There's a lot of kind of quiet work that goes into it. You know, all the reading I do, the other writing I do, I do a lot of kind of just like writing to get out of the way. Like I I try to write every day. Sometimes that's journaling. Sometimes it's just like writing a few lines down. Sometimes it's typing an email. Um, I'm very much engaged with text, Uh, listening to songs. You know, I'm very much engaged in the verbal world. So that's all feeding into this. And also what I'm seeing when I walk, I, I walk my dog every day, I go for a jog. Um, I'm very interested in, in nature and also with the urban landscape and nature and where those things meet. So all that sensory input is going in. And you know, like today I wrote a line about a seagull I saw yesterday in the East River, even though I wrote that in Connecticut. Um, so that's part of the work.
0: What was the line? Do you, do you have it? Do you remember As, it?
1: It's literally just... A goal alights. <laughs> it's like a one, it's three words, two words in an article. Yeah. Just...
0: So. Um, oh, I'm, it's
1: a goal alights. It's cry absurd. Okay.
0: A goal mm. alights.
1: It's cry comma. It's cry absurd.
0: It's cry absurd. Mm-hmm.
1: Cause they make really unattractive squawks, <laughs> in my opinion. I'm sure they think they're beautiful.
0: So, (laughs) how much of yourself do you put into these poems?
1: A lot. A lot. I mean, it's very personal. The poetry I like is very personal. Even Mm. if it's not about the poet, it is. We learn about the poet through how they're seeing and moving through the world and how they're engaging with it. Yeah, it's very, very personal, I would say.
0: Do you ever feel the need, do you ever feel like it's too personal and you kind of hold back?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah?
1: Absolutely. And that was such a problem when I was in graduate school. Well, I'm still in graduate school, technically. But when I was in my MFA, the Master of Fine Arts for Poetry at Columbia University, I was very frequently told that I was holding back too much. And I remember someone saying, just like, tell your parents to stop coming to your poetry readings. You have to be writing to not your parents. And not that they're... I throw them under the bus or anything or even talk about them in my poems. Yeah. Very little. It's just you don't want that kind of constraint on what you can write about or what you feel like you can write about. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And also I, I think and this goes back to what I thought was a bad poem earlier, I do think there's something to be said for writing about what you know, writing about yourself like, and not stepping on you know, I think there's an ethics to and maybe this is very limiting. I think there is an ethics to writing about the world through your own voice and your own experience with it um, and not trying to take up space that you haven't been in, um, if mm-hmm.
0: that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And not
1: making assumptions about other people's
0: yeah, yeah, experiences.
1: I can read about that, but I'm not going to write about it.
0: Yeah. Have you Have you gotten better at that with the... I guess, showing yourself more, like, being more comfortable with being more personal with your poems?
1: I have. However, it's still, you know, I had a poem, and a very personal poem published two years ago, I guess, and it's still, still very uncomfortable sometimes when I know other people are reading it, and it's about a very painful experience I went through, so that that's very exposing. Poetry is inherently exhibitionist. Like, there is no way around it if you're not comfortable exposing yourself to a certain extent, you could probably never really get that far in the world of poetry. You are your own subject matter. It's like I said, you're not, that's when it's best, when you are, in my opinion. I like to see the poetry I really like is showing me the mind and the eyes and the imagination and the voice of these people who've honed their craft and the way that they're going through the world and and filtering it through their poetry. Um, that's what makes their work individual. Um, but yeah, sometimes it, it, because you want to be writing that, I don't know. I think there's another use of poetry that isn't just like to write good poems, and in fact, that's not at all what can make me write a decent poem. It is because I need to process something. And that's when poetry works, when it's helping me, my poetry works, is when it's helping me process something difficult or, un- I don't know, that unique, difficult or hard to express, even, that's, even if that's a beautiful thing or like a good thing. Um, it's me processing that, it's me. Excuse me, excuse me. me working through that you know
0: through language and through that art form yeah I get that I think um I think there's definitely something I I think this is why some people journal too um whenever they're like processing something that's going on their life um just to put it down Mm -hmm. and articulate it and like write it down um it, I think it definitely helps you process it faster and, like, really look at it. Like, you take a step back and you really look at what is actually going on because I think oftentimes you can feel overwhelmed with, um, with life and everything that has to give. Um, so just being able to put that down in words kind of lets you look at it in a less overwhelming way Um, I mean, you can, like, use the example of, um, like, taking notes, like, you can look at this, like, whole textbook and, like, just be overwhelmed by this, this deluge of, like, information, um, but, like, once you, like, have your notes written out, like, with all the little, like, graphs or little charts that you make, um, it's, you process that information way easier, um. And i'm I'm looking at this this one poem it's called we left um and i can definitely i get i assume this was um a tough 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 part in your life um and it i is this you or no
1: that's not me oh, that's not <laughs> no me. that's a shame yeah unfortunately, my name is not that unique. Um, I'll show you yeah. which poems are mine. What do I look up? Um, so that poem would this be one. mine. That is a very painful poem. Maybe we can avoid that
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to, I have to look into this. How? So what was your experience at Columbia University in the MFA program? How, how long, like what did you learn and like how long was that? I was there
1: for two years, um, and yeah, it was very much an immersion, like, poetry was our lives then, so that was cool. Um, I was also teaching English at a different college at the time, I was teaching freshman English, so that was kind of what I was doing in the morning, um, thinking more about prose and essay writing, and then in my afternoons I was in poetry class, and, um, (laughs) going to poetry readings, and very much enveloped, washed over in poetry in a way I wasn't before and haven't been since.
0: Did you ever get tired of it? Like, did you ever want to break from, like, being so immersed in, like, poetry, as you were saying?
1: I don't know that it was the immersion in poetry. Maybe. I think sometimes I think it's good to have other hobbies, (laughs) watch Netflix or Amazon, you know, I was running races, I was, you know, I lived with, he was my boyfriend at the time, but my husband who's not a poet, we have a dog, like, I live very near my family, Um, all my friends I went to college with, I, I had a, a significant life outside of poetry, so I think... I always had that. I will always have that. Um, I can't, you know, I don't walk around with a beret and, you know, like sometimes there are days when I don't think about about poetry at all. Not true when I was in the MFA, but now there are. Um, I think the problem then was with Columbia, you go there because there's a certain um, connection to, um, in addition to it being, you know, having a really good reputation for its education, there is the connection to... Um, the poetry world of New York publishing Mm. all of that and that can get really overwhelming kind of thinking about professionalizing I I often find extremely stressful still but especially then I think
0: Have you done like poetry readings of your work? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes I have Um, Yep quite a few I also run a reading series uh, a poetry reading series in the Bronx which I've been doing since I was 21 um, and I usually read a poem at that, so almost once a month I read a poem out loud to other people.
0: How, how is that, how, are you like, are you shy or like, are you, do you ever get like, I don't know, what are the feelings that you're feeling whenever you are reading your poetry in front of other people like that?
1: It can really vary, so sometimes I'm very comfortable and sometimes I'm not. <laughs> um, and that's just how I am kind of, sometimes I can be very Oh, you're in my class you know yeah kind of very comfortable yeah for sure and other times well maybe that wasn't so much in class because I know what I'm doing you know but (laughs) like I said poetry is exposing in in a way that you know teaching a thing I've been trained to teach is not so
0: so what is how does getting your work published work like logistically, like what do you have to do to get your work published? Mm-hmm. Do you self-publish or like how does that work? I do not. You-,
1: um, you are just on someone else's blog with my same name who does self-publish, mm-hmm. um, and they just like put their poems up online. Which right. nothing wrong with that. I do not do that. I send into journals or magazines. Um, most of them have a a particular process of. Usually online, I've never done anything by snail mail, actually. Um, so you just submit online, either by email or by um, submittable, the, the um, submissions form, um, forum. And yeah, you either got a rejection or acceptance.
0: <laughs> Do you have a favorite poem, like from your own work? Mm,
1: that's tough. Don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I different poems for different occasions. That's yeah.
0: True. Do you have a lot of your poems memorized? Yes. Could you tell me one? mm
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me actually get it.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: this is I actually published here at the Long River Review because I won the Wallace Stevens Prize here two years ago, which is for UConn students. Um, Okay, so this is called, and I wrote this while I was here, And this was actually inspired by a podcast I listened to. This is kind of perfect. So I drive from New York and I listen to a lot of podcasts. And this was um, a history podcast called In Our Time um, from England. And it was about this historical figure, um, Marjorie Kemp, who um, was sort of a pest (laughs) in the 1300s because she did not... um, do what she was supposed to do as a woman, um, and claimed she was having visions from God, and she, ha- she wrote these visions down, and she also walked around like wailing and crying because she felt Jesus' sacrifice much more than other people, she said, mm. and uh, some people really admired her and like kind of followed her, and other people were like, oh my god, you're so annoying. Um, And then also she was not an angrist, but angrist was a term that um, referred to other female visionaries who were kind of sponsored by the church, the Catholic church at the time. Mm -hmm. And given hermitages, like, they were given these, like, basically wood huts that they were supposed to stay in, which is kind of messed up, but the idea was that for women to be visionaries, they had to shut out the rest of the world and it was also had to do with the chastity of their own bodies Um, and Marjorie Kemp got married when she was young had 12 children and then told her husband after that she had a sort of I mean I think we could think of it as some sort of postpartum depression but she had visions after um, postpartum after having children and she was like I need to like give myself to God and be chaste so even though she stayed married um, she kind of quote-unquote, reclaimed her virginity. Mm, so yeah. all of that is here. Um, it's all my language except for one very benign phrase, a midsummer's evening in thick hot weather, which is just, like, straight from the Middle English um, that she wrote in or that her visions were written down in. Shall I? Yeah. Okay. The angress. There was a time I was tethered to nothing. My mind had run ahead of my body, leaving it longing on the trundle bed, spread on linen. Balsam needle and Atlantic salt. I caught taste on the wind, but my tongue ebbed against the wall of my teeth, rinsed of word. That was before the weeping came, a midsummer's evening in thick hot weather, washed cold by the brine of my eyes, my pores. I knew I caused the rain that wouldn't cease, that the creatures sucking my breasts by night would always be sated by the ocean I was. How many had slipped because of my sorrow. They examined my body for its new unnature and shut me in a hut of moss sweet stone. There was nothing left to tell my confessor. I heard that one who would not own her sin should dry into snakeskin, bound and thinning. My soul was a gull on a different mission.
0: Hmm. I think something about yeah. Some things about poetry that I like is that um, sometimes when I like get a book or something that I want to read, I'm like. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed by just the sheer length of the book. Mm-hmm. So if it's like over a hundred fifty pages, I'm like, ah, this is gonna be a this is gonna be a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I think. Um you can even see this um in today 's society um people have less attention span um so they they want the information they want it now um I think poetry is a is a good way to kind of do that um because like you as you said earlier it 's like a horse inside of an egg um it 's like short, but like there 's like so much in it um and like You got to read poetry, like, more than once to, like, even get a grasp of, like, what is even going on, um, but I think I would much rather read a poem over and over than, like, read, like, a 250-page book, just because I I may not have the patience for that book, um, unless it's a great book, um, that I'm really passionate about, um, but yeah, um, I don't, and I think poetry has kind of lost its, um, what I'm trying to say is I don't, I don't think a lot of people appreciate it as much as they used to, um, would you agree? I feel like it's not that big anymore. I, I feel like, um, in the past it's, it was way bigger than it is now. Um, and I think, I mean, that goes for reading in general. Hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, with technology and everything, I, I'm, like, pretty sh- confident that less people read now, or at least people my age, um, younger youth, less youth read now than they did in the past. Um, because I've talked to, like, many um, older people, and they're like, yeah, when I was a kid, I'd, I'd always read. But, like, I don't, that's not the case nowadays. Um, with technology um and i i know it from experience i hated reading um throughout um lower school middle school and high school Um, it's not until really last semester like the summer going into um, freshman year um, did i really start to appreciate reading and literature Um, and to be honest like i think i really it really clicked um, whenever I did my final project for your class um, and I, that, that was another podcast I did um, which is on there it's posted so you can check that out um, but um, yeah doing that that podcast about it's titled The Power of Literature um, I think it really um, influenced me in getting more into like literature and reading and um and i, I don't i don 't think a lot of people my age have gotten to that point yet where they they really realize the um, the power that literature and poetry alike um, has and what it really how it really does influence your life um, what are your thoughts on that do you think that is do you see that in students i guess do you do you get a feel that a lot of kids don't really read outside of class or I don't know, you, you teach, so what do you think on that?
1: It's pretty hard for me to know. I do know that my students are definitely reading poetry right now in my in my class. Like they're reading the poems I assign them, at least some of them. And I, I do I mean some of the poems. They're all reading them because um, I make them respond on Blackboard <laughs> they have to and I read that um, and we talk about it as a class and I do think they're genuinely interested in it. Um, of course, they chose, I'm teaching electives so mm-hmm, they're right, self-selected right. people. Yeah. They've chosen to be in these classes mm-hmm. that are looking at poetry so there's that but I mean that's, there are several sections of that class every semester so I mean it's, there are people choosing to do that and I do think The benefit of having a course with um, a teacher and a textbook even, at least in the beginning, is to give people the vocabulary and the kind of structure to read a form that, as you said earlier, is not very popular right now. It's not something we're necessarily exposed to on a regular basis or taught how to read. it's, it requires different things with the reader than, say, a novel or a news article. So I do think it's not a stretch to say that it helps to, have, to be taught how to read a poem. I don't think you necessarily need it, but I think people are intimidated by it, so it helps. Yeah, and yeah. then once they're given a few tools, like it does not take long.
0: What are, what are some of those tools? Like if you were, if I just wanted, if I came up to you and say, like, how do I, how, how should I read poetry? Mm-hmm. What, what would the short answer be?
1: Okay, I would say, so as you said before, definitely almost all poems, in my opinion, require more than one read through. I would say the first one, the first read through, just kind of let it wash over you. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Um, take it in. Let it make its impression on you, however that is, where your imagination goes the first time it's presented to you. Then read it again. And if there are words you don't know or references you don't know, look them up. Um, figure that out. That's probably going to change. If there, if there are references you didn't know, that's probably going to change your relationship to the poem. It's going to add another dimension to it or explain something to you that you didn't know the first read through. And then read it again. and Read it out loud and just try to see what the poet's trying to tell you what they're trying to show you and don't be afraid Just and, and don't block yourself off from it because if you are I do think it requires more work mm, of people yeah. it does, it requires an interactive yeah. relationship, however if you are going into a poem and you're intimidated to begin with and you're like I'm not going to understand this you are going to be closed off to it so believe that you will get it or you will get something from it and engage with it in that way, understanding that poems can be layered and might take a few read-throughs.
0: Yeah, for me, in my past experience with poems, um, I've definitely, like, always found them daunting Mm. In that, like, I would read it over once and be like, whoa, I didn't get any of that. Um, So I would, yeah, I wouldn't, I'd be like, okay, I'm never going to get this. Um, Like, this is just so like dance i don't know what the poet is like trying to tell me like it's just so much going on yet it's so short Mm -hmm. um so it's like it is i think um at least for me i've always had that fear of not being able to um fully understand what is going on um so i guess that's a big thing um
1: yeah, and I think another thing is, not all poems are going to be for everybody, right? Like, there's plenty of poets who are, who I know are accomplished, whose work doesn't do it for me. You know, the same way with anything else, with like music and books, novels, TV shows may be good, objectively good, and I could see that there's good craftsmanship and thinking there, but it might just not be my particular taste, and that's okay too.
0: Do you have a favorite poet?
1: I have a lot, actually. Who are my favorites right now? I'm really into Dorian Lux right now. Kind of just got into her. Who are my kind of more classic favorites? Um, oh man, I have so many. Um, Sharon olds, Louise Glick, Lucy Brockbroido is my teacher. Uh, reading Tracy K Smith again right now. I love her. Oh. She was the last poet laureate. Joy Harjo, the current poet laureate. You know I love her. Yeah. Um, Oh, man. Terrence Hayes, I'm reading with my class right now. He's amazing. These are all contemporary American poets. Um, All of them except one is alive. Um, Yeah. And then I also love some uh, Irish poets from the 20th century. Um, Seamus Heaney and Louis McNeese.
0: How do you, how do those more contemporary poets and, like, their work compared to, I guess, the more classical poets of, like, Poe and, like, all the, like, the big, the classical poets? How do, you, how do you think those two, the contemporary and the classical works, how do you think they compare? Hmm. Are there differences or, like... Um, what what is this? what what are the, what are the same character, characteristics that they hold or like compare and contrast those two different works of contemporary and classical.
1: Surprisingly, there's not that much difference. So like right now, I mean, depends. It depends who you're talking about. Right, right. Um, But right now, with my class, we're reading John Donne's Holy Sonnets from which he wrote in the 1600s in England. Um and they're kind of about religious struggles with spirituality and we're also reading Terence Hayes American Sonnets for My Past and Future Assassin these are two collections of sonnets and even though they're written 400 years apart by people living in different countries and very different political climates i find them to have a lot of similarities so first of all they're using the same form
0: okay
1: they're using some of the same language um and they're both addressing this kind of these huge abstract ideas like in John Donne it's God and it's also a kind of political polit- politicized God because he's kind of caught between Catholicism and the Church of England that's mm. the political climate he was living in at the time and also the spiritual climate he was personally in and for Terence Hayes he's addressing America as this abstract huge question of this country which has in some ways you know he belongs to and loves, and in some ways has failed him as a, a black man, and um, in some ways is broken. And I, I actually think there's a lot of parallels between those two. It makes so much sense to me to read them together.
0: So, whenever you do write your poetry, do you ever like, like, oh, I'll come back to this like later on, and like a year later, you may come back and then, like finish it up? Does that ever happen?
1: I always hope it happens. I don't think it's ever happened. No. <laughs> <laughs> I do leave poems unfinished. Like, they will come back to this, but I, I do think it has to do a lot with whatever mindset uh-huh. I'm in at that moment, whatever little trance I'm going through. For those images and sounds to work, it's whatever was happening for me right at that moment.
0: Do you do a lot of I don't, research whenever you're writing poetry? Is this, like, purely emotional... Um, going into your poetry
1: so I don't start saying I'm going to write a poem and then do research Mm
0: -hmm.
1: poems might come out of something like Mm -hmm. listening to that podcast on Marjorie Kemp or reading I read Ovid's Metamorphosis in probably 2008 and I wrote a poem about it in 2016 um I have other poems. Oh yeah, I mean, I wrote, I wrote a few poems about Lilith, who's a, a mythological kind of pre um, pre-Christian uh, Judean um, figure, who I think I was talking to my friend about probably. I don't know when, but I ended up writing a poem about it years later. So these things kind of plant seeds and either germinate or don't later. But a lot of it, yes, yeah, from reading conversations, things I'm thinking about, and then also things going on in my own life as well.
0: So, in your poems, more talking about like nature and like urban life. What kind of, like, what do you focus on in those poems? Like, wh- what is the message? What is the topic? Or, like, what is the imagery that you're trying to um, show the reader whenever you do write those nature poems?
1: So I'm rarely trying to do anything except teach myself something. So this is kind of off topic, but going back to what we were saying about processing before, the, a successful poem for me is to have processed something and to end up, to have gone through thinking about something or feeling something. Not in this direct way, like A plus B equals mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Math is not my strong point. <laughs> <laughs> Um It's not like okay. this kind of logical sequence, but it is, it is a process and the ideal outcome is, I think of poems as objects, to be honest. I know they're texts, but... Right, right. To me, I think of them as these kind of three-dimensional things that are in the world and that other people can access, the way I access the poets I love and the poems that really move me. If I can kind of process this vision or, you know, whatever it is, it's me looking at birds are in my poems a lot, like watching a bird do something, um, or watching the light fall in a particular way, and that is doing something for me in a way that is not just my eyeballs, <laughs> like looking at the light. It is. It is a much more complete and transformative experience and I can convey that to somebody else or even just myself to go and reread it, then that is a successful poem. So it's hard for me to think about like what my goals are other than that.
0: So do you ever like dabble in any other like, I don't know, short stories or...
1: Yeah, I'm always trying to write a novel, always, and I, (laughs) I never get past like one time I got up to 60 pages, but it was terrible. And that was years ago. Um, I wish I could, you know, I love novels. I love to read them. Um, I love fiction. But I, I just, like, it takes a patience and a, it's, it's a really different art form. And I have no training in it. And I've been trying to make myself do it. But, because I think it would be fun. And it's always, I always have an idea and I start it and then I just give up on it. Poems are much more manageable.
0: Well, I get, yeah, for you, I guess. Maybe there's other people find novels more manageable. Um, I, yeah, it's just a different style, I think. Uh, poems are just. Literature is also very expressive and like a lot of imagery. Um, but I think poetry is just being able to get all those same reactions and emotions into this like condensed form which is in itself like its own like art form i i i think whenever i i think about this i think about um so a big thing for like college essays um for um is being concise mm-hmm. and like not like getting rid of the fluff and like really getting the point um and i think poetry really does that to like the most efficient way possible Mm -hmm. is being able to get so much out of like the fewest words possible and yet like as you said earlier like there's two sides to it there's like what emotions you're conjuring up as well as the aesthetic part of like how it sounds Mm -hmm. Um,
1: yeah and I also think like So that's what I'm doing in my poems, I think, and that is very much like a whittling down to the bare bones and a lot of poets I admire are doing that. That said, there are these big effusive poets like Walt Whitman and Allen Ginsberg who write for pages and pages and pages, and I'm sure there are some contemporaries I can't think of right now, but people who write these really, really long effusive poems where... You would say there is, you know, not every single word is pulling its weight in the way it would in a say a sonnet or a haiku, of course. Mm-hmm. Nothing can be weighted like wasted in a haiku. Um and that's definitely still poetry. It's just a different a different engagement with language, much more musical in some ways, much more performative in some ways.
0: Has so literature for me um is definitely like has definitely I've definitely seen it influence my thinking and um um just the way I see certain things um so would you say the same thing is poetry for you like I don't like whenever you read whenever you read poetry do you whenever you read poetry compared to whenever you read literature what do you ever get more out of one or the other or like do you get more out of certain things from poetry or like because both poetry and like novels and literature I think more or less have the same um they both conjure up emotions and they they're both um like exploring the world we live in um So what would you say the two were the differences between poetry and literature when it comes to what is being brought out of them? Do you know what I'm trying to say?
1: Yeah, so...
0: Because I feel like both of them have more or less the same consequences whenever they are read.
1: I think, you know, there's crossover, but I also think novels... Can take more time to teach you what they want to teach you, if that's their goal. Either way, you're going to get, to some extent, the vision of the author or what the vision of the, na- the person they're having narrate the novel. They're thinking it's going to be in there, of course, their observations, and it's always it's always educational to get someone inside someone else's head. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, so, for example, I am a huge fan of Jane Austen. And her observations on different personalities and like interpersonal relationships and communication are—it's so, so interesting to me, and I—it's very informative to me. I, I don't—I don't think about the world in the way you know she's she's super clever and incisive, but um, it's always so interesting to me to read her and think about relationships the way she does. And it doesn't mean I that, like I just all of a sudden think the way she does and mm. um, adopt her ideas, but. It's always informative. Um, poetry can also express ideas, um, so and, and get you to think about things in different ways. I don't know. So I also read nonfiction, and that can be really illuminating in, in different ways. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess a longer form is going to have more time to keep you in its grip and, and keep you in its world a bit um, whereas a poem and also I, I think you know novels can be really entertaining like I don't read yeah, a novel it doesn't sure. entertain me yeah. you know like I read novels like I watch TV like, yeah, yeah. I, sa- I do it the same way um, and so that's I think that's an advantage like that they could be really entertaining you while they're teaching you something to delight and instruct is that is that who said that that's what someone said about, I don't know if it was Jane Austen, but someone said that about novels. Um, to delight and instruct. Poetry, I don't know if poetry does that. <laughs> maybe less delight. It moves. I find it moving.
0: So maybe less entertaining and more moving for poetry. Yeah,
1: maybe. I mean, poetry can be very funny. Uh, mine is deaf Is I mean, unless it's very dry. And infrequently is funny, so... And I am someone who cares about humor, you know, like, yeah. has, definitely so, has a sense... I have a sense of humor in my everyday <laughs> life, but... Poetry only comes into... I mean, humor only comes into my poetry in very sneaky, dry ways, because just because of the subject matter I'm dealing with, I'm usually dealing with extremely dark stuff, so...
0: So as a poet... Um would you say you spend more time reading novels and, like, nonfiction and, like, literature, or do you spend more time reading poetry?
1: I have a very diverse diet. So, right now, I'm, I'm teaching poetry, so I'm reading a ton. Um, in a kind of normal life, I probably read a couple of poems a day, just online, whatever people really? are publishing. Yeah, just, like, one or two, hmm. whatever's coming across right, right. my, you know, and then if a new book comes out or a book of a friend comes out um, I'll read a book of poems uh, here and there and then just like in my everyday life I'm reading probably always reading a novel um, hopefully it's sad when I am not reading a novel and then also I'm always reading nonfiction to a certain extent whether it's you know essays online or articles online or I read nonfiction books as well so there's always novels and always like at least one or two poems I would say
0: okay um so do you always have—you um, some? You said earlier that sometimes you don't even think about, like, poetry um, on certain days. But do you more or less always have, like, a certain—do you ever have more than one poem, like, going on in your life whenever you're writing? Like, do you ever, like, start—like, you get one line, and then, I don't know, like, a week later, you get another line. So like, you kind of have these, like, two— Oh, yeah. Poems going on at the same time. hmm
1: Almost always. And usually those, neither of those come to anything if I'm taking that long. I think if I'm going to finish a poem, it has to be... I have to start it and finish it within a few days.
0: Really? Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that's not true for everybody. It's, right. it's definitely true for me. So far, in my 20 years of writing poems.
0: Do you ever... So, after... What is your... I guess, do you have any goals with poetry like do you ever like want to be like this accomplished poet or do you do it more because it helps you um, process the world and like it's more just the passion that you have
1: yeah so I definitely do it for myself but I also want other people to read it so that's really my only goal to get other people to read it who find it moving or
0: useful how do you think that um, poetry has influenced your life? Hmm. What would your life look like if you never got into poetry?
1: I can't imagine that. Can you
0: imagine? Yeah,
1: no, I mean, it's been my whole life. I, I, it would have, there would have been something else, some other form of writing and literature and I think it always would have been poetry, like, I grew up in the Catholic Church in prayer and song, and like that is related to poetry and then I was also listening I was very into music and I, I used to sing and so song lyrics always were really like impressed upon me, so it would have been there in some form i don 't know if it would have been the kind of print poetry that I do now if I you know didn 't have access to the kind of education I had. I might have taken its its form in a different way, but I, I do think the same. Fascination and love of language would have made itself would have come out in another way, if not poetry.
0: So what I'm getting from talking with you is that you one of the main reasons why you write poetry is for yourself and to like kind of reflect on what's going on in your life and to help that help you process things um, with no really like goal with it. But um, whenever we, re- we read Joe Hardjo and some other um, works um, last semester. Um, What do you think she was... Do you think she was coming at it the same way, where she was more reflecting, processing, she was just expressing herself with poetry, or do you think it was kind of a combination of that and also, hey, people need to understand how hard life is as a Native American um, woman um, during this time,
1: I think her needing to express herself must have always come first. Thinking that she was believing and knowing that she was speaking on behalf of other people probably only motivated her more to, ex- I would say, externalize her own experience. Right? Mm-hmm. She's is making this accessible to other people. She's making it putting it into an art form that other people can engage with and so what she did with it after that would be the kind of more if you want to say like a political goal of it and I would say the same thing for anyone you know it has to if you're just writing poetry for other people it's not going to be good.
0: Yeah I think I feel like a common trend with our class last semester in like the final projects I felt the trend of, um, that, oh, yeah, she wrote this to incite social change. And, um, I don't know, did you get that feeling?
1: So, oh, with our class? Yeah, with our class. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't disagree with it either. Right. But I don't think the order is correct. Right, I right, yeah. the poems came first, and then the use for the use to reach a wider audience to represent more than herself more people than herself consciously that
0: comes later mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I yeah and I think I don't know that's just the tr- the feeling I got um while listening to everyone's um final presentations it was like yeah like she did she wrote this so she could like show the world like oh how bad um the world is and like all these injustices that are happening and that this needs to change um but, I mean, whenever you, like, I guess, write something purely...
1: Instrumentally? They're,
0: yeah, they're ha- like, you, to write, you have to... Because i found in my own um, writings, my own essays, that whenever I write about um, a personal experience or whenever I write about um, just myself and, like, something, some experience that I've gone through, it's, like, so much better than like um any of my other writings when i'm not when i'm writing something that i'm not that i haven't personally experienced um and i and whenever i wrote those things i didn't write them necessarily for a reason more so it was just as you said earlier by getting it on paper and like processing it and like really going back to that moment um and um verbalizing it and articulating it in a certain way mm-hmm. um, so I think I think some people can get I guess just from the last from last semester's class I got the feeling that people um, thought that she wrote this to incite social, social change um, and I feel like a lot of people wrote their essays along those guidelines too um, But I think, as you said earlier, the order is switched in that she wrote it for herself, really, um, to, like, express herself, um, to express what she's going through. Um, And then the things that came from that may have been, like, social shame. Um.
1: I also think the social injustices probably inspired her to... You know, write poems, or at least so much of that book is about being silenced—like literally being silenced—and being able to find expression in the face of that in a variety of ways, in different communities, and and through her ancestry. And I mean, it's a very positive book in a way. It's very resourceful and joyful, and but it also is delineates all the ways in which it is so unlikely that she ended up as somebody with such a large audience, because so at so many different points, for so many different reasons, she was discouraged from developing her voice and from expressing herself in you know, through art, through music, through writing. Um, and so this, the social injustice, because she's female and, and Native American, that pressurized the art. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the art is being incited to a certain extent. I'm sure she would have still been a poet, you know, no matter what. You Mm -hmm. definitely get that sense of her. But she ends up writing about these things that have to do with the condition. Not not, not exclusively, but some of her work is about these conditions of, of being silenced and being you know, suppressed and oppressed. And so, and she's not the only one who's in that situation, so of course it reaches more people. And it might be that the injustice caused her to write even though the writing is for her and for her to yeah, process yeah, it, yeah, it is sure. applicable to all these mm-hmm, other people yeah. and it's also something that can be that can be used as a way to for her community to be understood outside of her community to the people who are ignorant of these problems or causing these problems, mm-hmm. you know, so I do think there is maybe the chain of events is, is hard to determine but you know, yeah
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's 4.30 um, Thank you for doing this with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, maybe we'll do it another day too. Yeah,
1: that's great. Yeah, um, but yeah, for yeah thank you. Us. Mm-hmm. 4-